this is an interesting Sunday. And I knew I was going to preach, I think I knew the beginning of October when Steve asked me, and I didn't really know what I was going to do. But then at school, we happened to be studying parable, Jesus' parables in Greek. And so I've been kind of following along with Steve. And a few weeks ago, I think three, two or three weeks ago, I had to, uh, I had to read a parable that um, Steve talked about the two things. He talked about last week, I think it was the treasure and the pearl. And then there's this other parable that comes after it. And I, I jokingly messaged him on Facebook asking, so when are you going to talk about the parable of the net? Because it's not quite as nice as the other ones. And I was joking. And then he says, well, why don't you preach about it? <laughs> and here we are. And I think he's done. And I, I have nowhere else to go. I'm stuck with this parable. But in school, um, we have a variety of denominations represented in my cohort. So the group of students that are together, there are 10 of us. And we have, there are various backgrounds. Um, there are some Baptists and uh, Pentecostals and um, different, I think there's like a Mennonite background as well. I can't remember all the, the ones that are represented. But quite a bit of tradition that we may, that we may not practice or be aware of here. But um, the Catholic Church, actually, I know they have a lot of feasts. And they introduced a fairly new one in 1925. And it's called the Feast of Christ the King. And I thought it would be, a, I, my, I'm just going to put this out there. I, I celebrate a lot of holidays uh, at home. I decorate my home for the seasons. And Advent is a big deal in our family. We, we anticipate the coming of Christ. And on December 1st, we have a pilgrimage. Of, I have, we have little dolls that I made of Mary and Joseph. And they start one end of our big living room. And by Christmas Eve, they're, they're on this table that we have set up. And, uh, and then after that, we celebrate Epiphany, or Three Kings Day in January. So once Christmas Day comes, our wise men start on their journey, and then they make it to this table there. And I find that celebrating these different festivals helps me stay in touch with the gospel story, with, with the story of the Bible as a whole. It gives me something to celebrate. We need to celebrate in God's kingdom. And it's just a wonderful way to in include your children. So this, this is new to me. The Feast of Christ the King is a new celebration to me. My professor brought it up. And he said, it's on November 25th. And I said, oh, I'm preaching on November 25th. So um, I wasn't sure how that would fit in with, with the parable. And I spent a lot of time praying. And I didn't actually really, I, I worked faithfully on the sermon in the intervening weeks. But it wasn't until last night where I was saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I don't see the connection. And then all of a sudden I saw there, there was one paper, that, that a book that I pulled up, and, and he talked about Christ the King and this fish story together. And I praised God for his faithfulness, which isn't always when we, need, we want it, but it's always when we need it. All right, so Pope Pius XI, on December 11, 1925, <coughs> He put forward uh, a, 
proposed, I guess it wasn't a proposal, he instituted it, the Feast of Christ the King, which celebrates the full authority of Christ as King and Lord of the universe. Now we celebrate it, or we say we, the Anglican Church, the Catholic Church, there are various denominations, Lutheran Church, that, that do celebrate it in their liturgical year, and in their liturgical year, this is the last Sunday in their ordinary calendar, and then Advent starts something new. So before uh, we go into a time of waiting and anticipation of the arrival of the king uh, as uh, a baby, we celebrate Christmas, but also the return of the king, the return of the Messiah, we take a moment this week to celebrate, to feast, and to remember that Christ is king of all. And I just want to give you a quick background on the next slide here. This was a time when, when this feast was begun. It wasn't just because they didn't really have enough to celebrate. At the time, secularism was really, really, it seemed as if it was choking out Christianity. And, and the Catholic Church really felt it because they were used to, uh, there was a marriage of government and, and the Catholic Church. They, and they were used to being involved in it. But as secularism started to rise, people didn't want in this age of enlightenment, people did not want to keep God and state together, church and state together, and there is a separation. And it was becoming a crisis, especially after the end of World War I. Um, there was a lot of negativity towards, towards Christianity, towards God. And Pope Pius, of course there are, I mean, there are political reasons behind this but real spiritual reasons why he felt that, that the church needed to do something to get people's attention back on Christ. And I just wanted to read these, these quotes from him. Since the close of the Great War, individuals, the different classes of society, the nations of the earth have not as yet found true peace. They do not enjoy, therefore, that active and fruitful tranquility, which is the aspiration and the need of mankind. In Quas Primus, the Holy Father, proposed the establishment, so this is, this is Pope Pius the, the 11th, proposed the establishment of the Feast of Christ the King, not as a solution in and of itself, but as a means of pointing the way to the remedy for the plague which now infects society by drawing man's awareness to the reality that the suffering at the hands of evil is due to the fact that the majority of men had thrust Jesus Christ and his holy law out of their lives, that these had no place either in private affairs or in politics. That was a problem in 1925, and I'm sure you'll agree that it's, there's, it's a problem now in our society. It's even more of a problem now. Uh, we live in a very pluralistic society, which means you can worship who you want. Uh, society as a whole wonders what the big deal, why do we owe our loyalty to God, to Christ? There are so many options out there, so many religions out there. There's a, a stress on individualism. And with technology, it seems as if society is fractured. We have people in the same room, and I know you've heard this before. We're in the same room, but we're on our phones. So we're individuals, and we might be in an online community, but it's really separating us from everybody else. So imagine how it felt at the end of World War I when things just weren't, they didn't feel right. Peace hadn't been achieved. There's still still something not right. And we know World War II came after that. It got even worse. And so Pius wanted to do something because the world was desperate for Christ. 
and didn't see it. And this, I think this is a really good, it's a good time for us to think about where we are in our church right now because there used to be a lot more support from the government. And I know it, didn't, it wasn't always like that. You go back to the early church, what we're experiencing now it's kind of like going back to the way the early church was, where Christianity was not a supported religion. It wasn't even recognized as, as a religion by the Roman government at, at first. And they were, Christians were persecuted. But over time, church became, church and politics came together, and it was a church that called the shots. And we're moving away from that now, and we're seeing the, we're seeing the repercussions of that, right? I'm sure many of you, when you were younger, um, when I was younger, I, I would already seen that this falling apart. But in my parents' generation, even if you really weren't a Christian, everybody went to church at some point. I mean, most people went to church, even if it was, if it was just Christmas or Easter or something like that. Now, many people don't go to church regularly for various reasons. And I know Steve has, has uh, talked about this before. So when we don't have support of the world, um, and even within our congregations, we have parachurch organizations, we have different organizations where not everybody's needs, not all of your needs are met within this congregation, right? Um, I mean, in our congregations, actually, we have a great story here. But you can find, I mean, you don't have to go to church, you can just listen online, you can watch online. You can go to a parachurch organization, um, YWAM is an example of that, where it's not any, not any particular church, even though a church or there might be a host church behind it. Um, as Christians, people from all denominations work together, and we can meet specific needs within the world, but it's not just the church that, that we're, where we're sitting right now, the group that we are today. So things have changed, we need to make adjustments because financial support as well it doesn't just pour into the local church. There are so many options now. You can even support online um, organizations right now. And we do that as a church, right? We, we support the Samaritan's Purse efforts, and we, we support, all, we support um, Bible college, we support all kinds of missionary efforts, Manitoulin Island Community Church, so it's not as simple as it used to be. And sometimes it's hard to know where we as, as this church body fit in. What do we do? Um, how can we be supported? So I'm going to move on, skip to something really weird here. First of all, if we can pull up, you don't have to read all this. This is just if you want to jot these scriptures down. I, I wanted to include them, and we're going to focus on Mark 13, 47 to 50 today. But these scriptures are here to demonstrate that no matter what the changes in our world, no matter what the changes in how our church looks, the church as an institution has, has changed over the years. Uh, we're finding that our role is changing in the world. Sometimes we move, we move in, and we... People come into our church. There are other times in history where we spend more time out there in the world. There's this flux. If you read, if you read through church history, you see this beautiful flux of in, out, in, out. It's not no reason to panic when things are changing within our church. But uh, Christina read this morning from Psalm 132, talking about 
a king will be established on David's throne. So there's a promise there. Even before David, there's promise in the Old Testament. And then Daniel had a vision of the Son of Man. And in Daniel, he talks about um, all the nations will come and bow before this king. Right? Luke 1, 32 to 33. I think that one is worth... Uh, it's worth, worth going to as we're going into, coming into the Advent and Christmas season. Okay, so Luke 1, 32 and 33. Okay, so this is the birth of Jesus is foretold. And Gabriel came, came to Galilee and spoke to Mary. And he said, speaking of Jesus, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So we got more kingdom talk here. All right. So I'm really, really fast forwarding here. But in John 18, 33, Jesus is standing before Pilate. And Pilate said to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, my kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, then you are a king? Jesus answered, you say I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. So when Jesus is talking about kings, he's addressing kings differently than, than the way we do, than the way we do in this world. And we, we know from the stories of Jesus that he didn't come as a conquering king in the sense of <laughs> overthrowing the Romans. He came as the king of humility. He came as a servant king, um, which is mentioned also in Mark 10, 42 to 45. So I'm going to move back. So we're, we're talking about, we've established that God's kingdom is here to stay, right? It's foretold in the Old Testament. Jesus' uh, birth is, is predicted. He's born. He lives and dies and rises again as a king. So let's fast forward to um, what well, we're going we're to go focus on his conversation um, when he's talking about the net. So I'm going to read from Mark 13, 47 to 50. This is going to, this doesn't seem to fit in at all, but it does. Okay, so Mark, sorry, Matthew, I want to say Mark 13, verses uh, 47 to 50. Once again, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now I know why Steve didn't do this one. I... Uh, looked this parable up in a number of commentaries and read a number of articles. And there's an obvious, this illustration is obvious because Jesus explains it, right? He says that uh, it's the angels are coming and separating the wicked from the righteous and throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace. So that, uh, how does this fit into kingdom talk? Because I, seriously, when I first read this, I thought, Jesus, why... I mean, this treasure thing is really awesome. And I know you talked about the wheat and the tares, but you're talking about fish and baskets and all this. And what are you talking about? And how does this fit in with celebrating Christ the King? And short story, 
he's king. And no matter how things look now for our, for our church, for the church in general, for the world in general, we know that uh, whether, the, whether it looks good for us, whether we feel like um, the world is actually hearing the gospel or appreciates us or if we're being persecuted, Christ is always on the, on the throne. And there will come a time when there's like that one final swoop and we've all those fish where we've all been collected and the angels will sort through and God's going to say, okay, he's going to, everything, every falsehood would, will be revealed. Every, all truth would, will be known. And I'm saying, I know it sounds weird, but, but what I'm trying to say is that um, there's going to come a day when everything is clear to us. And the suffering that happens now, a light bulb's going to go off eventually and we're going to realize, oh wow, God was in control all this time. He sorts through everything. And we'll see all, all of that, all the pain that we've gone through, all the trials we've gone through, all the work that we've done in Christ, for Christ's name and for his sake, had a good purpose. Just think of all those good fish. Um, it's all going to work out in the end. That, that's, that's what I'm saying here. But the other thing is, when we look at this analogy, um, that what else does Jesus say about fish and fishermen and all that stuff? He talks about us being fishers of men, and there's a lot of fishing analogies in, or fishing metaphors in the Bible, and I'm sure they meant a lot to the disciples. But sometimes, and this is the whole point of everything that, I, that I'm saying on today, Christ the King Day, knowing that Christ is, is King, knowing that God has kept his promises from the very beginning to now and to the end of time, we can be confident when we serve the Lord that all of our labor is not in vain, that God uses everything for the good. So when we use that fish analogy, we're fish, right? We're Christ's followers, we're little, little Christs. But we're also fishermen. God has also given us a commission. He's also called us to, to be busy serving him, right? And there are ways that we can serve him. We can serve within our church. Our church is a wonderful example of going out into the community, serving the community with our community breakfasts. Um, we let the community, our community uses our church. They know who we are because we're out there with them. And these things that we do, in a way, we're also like that net, right? Because we're not just a bunch of individuals. We are the body of Christ. And God casts us out into the world and gathers people in. And if God was not faithful, the church would not be growing. There are way more Christians. When Jesus said, Jesus said that the, his disciples would do greater works than he did, if you look at all of the people in the world that, that are Christian now, compared to the, the people that, um, that came to Christ when, when he walked this earth, it's come true, right? No matter how, even with persecution, the gospel is still getting out there, no matter what, no matter what we're up against. God uses us as a net. So when we're in times of trial and we feel like we're wondering what we're going to do as a church, how we're going to make it through this one, whether it's financial or personal or everybody gets sick at the same time or people aren't treating us too, you know, too well out there, we need to remember that Jesus said, keep busy, just keep doing what we're doing, keep serving him, he'll meet our needs. And he's going to continue 
to bring souls to him, to bring people to him. His kingdom will grow and it has no end. And I just wanted to end with, um, there's, I wanted to read Jesus' prayer in uh, John 17, 20 to 23. The very last one there, the sheep and the goats. Um, that's another way of saying good fish, bad fish, isn't it? Yeah. The fish one's just a little grosser. <laughs> but, so John 17, 20 to 23. And let's, let's end there before we call the board up. And it is John. I know that for sure. <laughs> okay. This is for us. Jesus was praying for his disciples, but he says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you, you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus has called Wellington Street Pentecostal Church, us, not the building, but us, and the entire body of Christ, the other churches in this community, churches globally, the church back in time and the church forward in time, the one thing that that matters most and that will show the world that, that Christ is king is this that we may be one with them and with each other in God's kingdom. And it's not reliant upon what we have here. It's not reliant upon um, Pastor Steve's five-minute messages or how popular they are. Um, how big our church is, any of that. It's this unity that we are one. So uh, I'd like to just go, go into the, the, the rest of this service together as one, knowing that we're, we're all here together. We're a bunch of individuals, but we are one. And that is so obvious in this church. I can't tell you, I've said it so many times, but over and over again, we act like one body. The way we serve here is beautiful. And the world sees it. This community sees it. So praise God for what God has done in us and will continue to do in this church. So I'd like to pray before um, we call the board up. All right, let's bow our heads. Father, thank you. Thank you for the purpose that you have for this congregation. Thank you for every fish that you've called here, Lord. Lord, we pray that we would be good fish that we be good fish in obeying your commands and trusting you through everything that comes, Lord. We thank you that you will, you will fight our battles for us and you lead us through the darkest valleys and in doing so, in maintaining the unity, Lord, we just pray that you would continue to make us one, one body in Christ, Lord, that we would move forward encouraging each other, letting the world know that we are your disciples by our unity. We pray you'd move our hearts to, in obedience to you, to, to respond to your call to us in whatever ways you want us to, Father, that we would give of ourselves um, as this body and that everything we all give comes together as one to bring glory to your name. We pray that you would just bless the rest of the words that come out of our mouths today. 
And Lord, that you continue to speak to our hearts, continue to spread your gospel, the good news to this world through us. And may we lift each other up, Lord, always and be one with you. In Jesus' name, amen.